Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate your support. We record the podcast every Monday and if you do enjoy it, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Southcombe and I'm delighted to be joined by new women's uh, head coach Warren Abrahams, uh, recently announced on a, a three-year contract with a remit of looking after the 15s and the 7s programmes. Warren, congratulations. Welcome to Wales. Uh, what have you made of the last few days? You must be excited. And I'll firstly, thank you very much for that brilliant intro um, and thank you for having me so it's a it's a great honor to obviously be here and just just share a little bit of my story uh the last few days um has <laughs> been pretty incredible i suppose it's a little bit overwhelming with 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 um some of the uh messages that i've received but also sort of reflecting on it it's it's also um uh, uh, so deep down in the hearts of hearts, it makes you feel good of, of the journey I've been on so far and, and the interactions I've had with a lot of coaches and players along the way to receive those those amazing words from from them. So re- really pleased um, in terms of that. Um, and also probably the most important thing is um, uh, just a, a lot of messages from my community in South Africa and, 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 and where I've grew up um, and sort of what it means to them and you realize the, the number of people you represent in terms of your family um, and the community and most importantly we've got a we've got a foundation in South Africa that my brother's run my brother run has been the difference so just to show those young people um, who comes from from nothing that Anything's possible. Doesn't your circumstance? Your circumstances doesn't need to define you. So, um, no long, long answer, but no, pretty privileged to be in this position right now. Yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting. Just talk to me a bit about um, you touched on it there. Then your your sort of background and your upbringing, um, and maybe a, you know a few examples of of the people that who have reached out to you since since the announcement. Uh, yeah, so as you can probably tell, obviously born and raised in South Africa, uh, been been over um, in the UK since 23, so left South Africa at 23. Um, now, obviously, uh, uh, mum and dad, um, pretty big role in my life um, over there. I come from a, a a very interesting, fascinating country. And if you understand the history of South Africa, um, a lot of challenges early on, um, but those challenges has probably molded me into the, the person I am today. Um, but, but yeah, so mom and dad, um, I remember years ago, uh, my mom saying, uh, she actually made a speech at, um, um, it must have been at my, my 21st birthday. Because in South Africa, you get a you get a pretty pretty big 21st birthday. And I remember her words. Her words was, "Look, I never settle for your situation. Regard, I, I don't come from much, but they they work incredibly hard uh, to make sure that um, that we have everything that we need." 
I thought we were really well off. It's only now that I <laughs> that I that I see a completely different picture. Um, um, but no, they they they've given me some incredible lessons around uh, just this humility and sort of always strive for 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 achieving stuff beyond your circumstances. Um, I know I've, I've received so many many messages um, from a lot of people that probably influenced me over the years. Mm. You, 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 you talked about striving for things there. I mean, you've certainly tried your hand at a lot of different things. Um, and you, you've, you've really sort of, you've moved around a lot in your coaching career. Um, just talk to me a little bit, a, a brief sort of overview, I guess, of um, where you've been, um, the countries you found yourself in and what sort of roles um, you, you've taken up in those countries. Yeah. So I, I always knew that it's going to be... Um, Look with the with the way the game is at the minute, and and the challenges we face, and and how you get to, to certain roles. I always was a strong believer. I'm gonna have to put myself in situations that that's uncomfortable. I'm gonna have to take risk. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a big believer around a, a non traditional approach. So I'd always put myself in in pretty uncomfortable situations because again they uh, they shape me to who I am today so I'm just thinking coming over here 23 immature um, very naive with no plan in my back pocket I took a big gamble I had a little bit of savings that that I earned from from playing um, rugby full-time in South Africa and, and and doing a little bit of coaching on the sideline uh, so I bought myself a visa um, or applied for a visa and bought myself a plane ticket and, and here I was um, managed to get myself a job um, um, which I had no clue about. So when I turned up, I had to sell broadband. I didn't even know what broadband was at the time. <laughs> so, so, so that was an interesting um, um, a job, which I lasted in 24 hours. In, I think I lasted that long. Um, uh, but yeah, then obviously my first role over here was a community coach with Harlequins. I was a Hitch Project Officer, which is a social inclusion project. So imagine you're on a... On a Friday evening, you are in an estate, a council estate in a in the football dome, and you try and introduce uh, a game of rugby or rugby as a model. So most of those people don't even know how to play the game or what the game is. So you mm. got to introduce it in a very creative, innovative way to to engage them ultimately as people, because the the sole ambition was to to reduce antisocial behavior. Um, so that was the first job. And then I managed to get an opportunity at Harlequins to go, to go um, created a, an academy role for me over there. Um, during that time, I coached Lithuania on a European circuit for two years. Um, that was an incredible experience because I didn't even know where, where that country was when I got a phone call. But I, I gambled and I was out there and I and I sort of was head coach of their sevens and we ended up winning European Division A into Grand Prix, did really well. Um, and I did that alongside, I was I was doing the, the academy role at, at Harlequins. Um, and again, junior academy coach at Harlequins, so I had to, to work incredibly hard there to sort of, sort of, um, um, just push the boundaries, push the boundaries and sort of keep persevering and knocking on that door ultimately. But the Lithuanian role um, resulted in me getting the England role uh, under Simon Amor, which was a, uh, my best 
coaching experience thus far um, uh, because they have learned and uh, um, uh, and an uh, 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 incredible, incredible coach, incredible part, person. Um, and in that period, Kevin Byron, Kevin Bowring had a, a pretty big influence on me as well. So pretty close connection there because he used to coach Wales as well back cool. back in the day. So he's been a big influence around my journey, navigating me through all the the sort of coaching badges. Um, and then from so I left. I, I knew I had to move on because you know sometimes in 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 coaching I was eight eight years at Harlequins so nearly five years with England sevens um, those opportunities just didn't quite come as they as they needed to come so I knew I had to put myself in a different situation so I went out and I sort of I helped Germany to try and qualify for their um, uh, for the Olympic qualifiers, they didn't qualify for that, unfortunately, but did manage to win the Europeans, which was uh, which was another another great achievement. And from there, I, I had an opportunity to go to the USA um, and and be the assistant coach for the the women's sevens team, which which that's where I've learned some incredible lessons and probably made me a better coach, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and then, unfortunately, obviously with COVID, um, couldn't quite managed to go to go to the Olympics uh, with the team because everything got postponed and, and financially and all those sort of stuff and then yeah find myself back here for lockdown and, and this opportunity come up um, which made me really curious um, so I put my hat in the ring and, and here I am today that's that's a little bit of a snapshot yeah <laughs> No, it's just really interesting. I want to take you back a couple of steps to, to Lithuania. I read that you had to devise your own language to communicate with the players. Let's explore that a little bit. Where do you start with, with something like that? Uh, that was, yeah, that was brilliant. So I, re- I remember I had, I, I turned up for the first camp, turned up for the first camp and, I, and there was only uh, two two of the players, maybe possibly three of the players who could speak English really well. Mm. So I knew for me to be able to get my message across, I had to um, uh, converse through them ultimately. Um, and and, and all, all of them are still very close friends, <laughs> friends of mine. So we, we, we bonded really well over the years. I, I actually managed to get Jonas Michalschus um, and we signed him at, at, at Harlequins uh, on a three-year deal, uh, which was incredible achievement for the country as well um, but yeah so uh, to ultimately have success um, I, I remember reflecting back at halftime you know sevens you've only got a minute um, here I come I've got a different accent I sound differently anyway I'm trying to give a lot of information and I've got a group of guys who could, who could barely speak English so um, <laughs> the information would probably not go in so I had to be, I had to be pretty creative in terms of uh, finding a way to communicate with them, so I just developed like a uh, maybe like a ten uh, uh, a document around a few key things, um, and it might it might uh, stuff around. So my health time conversations was was pretty pretty interesting. Um, so it could go from blue, red, free, and everyone knew exactly what I was saying because these were these these. <laughs> colors and, and symbols and had a particular meaning um, but it just made it more efficient and it helped with our performance 
It's incredible. Um, you, you touched on uh, the America situation there, and you talked about the lessons you learned uh, whilst coaching there. Let, let's discuss those a little bit. What what were the the lessons specifically that you sort of picked mm. up there? Yeah, so it was obviously it was my first time coaching full time in a female environment. So with England sevens, I was exposed exposed to that but my my main remit was obviously with the men um but the way we ran it around the program at the time was we were crossing over so um i learned some cool lessons there from the girls as well and and before that i was at a uh, again when we talk about putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so i remember doing my level three and i put myself i was coaching harlequins at the time um and i could have just done a level three for instance with them but i decided to go coach richmond women so it would have been a pretty interesting challenge so i did that but with usa it was my first full-time role with um with females and um uh, you perhaps I turned up with a perception of the game, how the game should be played, um, coming from a, a team that was rated as as one of the best in the world in terms of a, a male team. Um, so I had that perception, but I quickly realized that uh, I can't look at the game in that particular way because this is this is uh, number one. They are people first and foremost, but they play the game slightly differently. They've got uh, a different makeup as individual, as individuals. So I had to um, I had to learn to be a little bit more empathetic in terms of how I translate messages across. But I think the biggest that I always say the three things that I've learned the most was um, why you have to be absolutely clear with a why. Um, um, Clarity breeds confidence. So the more clearer you are with, with how you're going to do things and what you're going to introduce and how we're going to play, um, then they will explore. In a male game, for instance, we could have something and we'll go and explore together. Over there, I realized um, one of the hardest lessons I learned, I introduced a set of penalties. And I promise you, six weeks down the line we were nearly two tournaments in they were still making the the same mistakes uh um purely because i didn't get it right up front so that was that was a pretty cool lesson um so why incredibly um important uh within the female game uh from my point of view relationships so I'm very much a relationship-based coach and I thought I had incredible relationships with my players until I turned up there and I would have a really good, we had a really good connection today and tomorrow I turn up and it was completely different. <laughs> so you, you realize how hard you have to work because um, um, there's an emotional connection there that I would carry with them. Um, if they don't feel well, regardless of where it is um, in their personal lives, that comes into to the environment. So you got to understand that. Uh, the other part to that as well, and I had to go and do some research around that. Um, now, obviously, there's a lot of, of, of the female uh, players that's, that's gay female rugby players. Um, so you've got to understand that because you know, they, they give a lot. So they perhaps don't want to give as much so in their daily lives they give they give they give they give so sometimes if they don't want to talk they don't want to talk um, um i remember one of the particular uh uh players that i i perhaps couldn't couldn't break that barrier um but it wasn't because there was a dislike 
this is just her makeup as a person. So I had, I had to find a way around that. So it, it was, I remember calling her up and say, look, do you want to go for a coffee? Her initial response was defensive. Why would, why do we need to go for a coffee? Thinking something, something is wrong. And we went, we went for this coffee and I just said, look, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, I want to make you the best in the world. How do you want to learn? How do I help you? How do I make you better? You just got to, and then she'd provide me with the information and we got to a stage where we had, we, we called it the awkward hug and we just give each other <laughs> awkward hugs so we could give hugs. But the importance about understanding that dynamic of the relationship. Uh, and then the third thing is, is internal competition. Really, really hard in, um, this is what I found within the female environment because they've got this emotional connection with each other within the team. Um, so you've got to balance that and you've got to find the real nitty gritty to make sure that we can spike that competition to the highest possible level. Um, Cause it's not just, it's not like in the men's game, we can play a contact game and we can absolutely beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> and we'll hug and we'll make up and we'll, we'll go on. It doesn't work like that. The, it's, and it's not because they don't want to do it. It's just, there's, there's a connection. And when I did some research and, and really went to understand it, I could work strategies around it to make sure that I, I optimize um, internally and make sure that it is about being the best in the world and they understand that concept. So um, a long answer, but those are the three significant things that I think has ultimately made me a better coach because I look at re- relationships completely differently, for instance, now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's, again, really interesting to hear you talk there. And, and I, I read a quote from you that I really loved, and I think you've covered it quite a bit there, but it was that you coach people. Um, whereas, it, you know, in, I think we get lost sometimes, and, and particularly in the media and in the public, we stop viewing professional and top elite athletes as people. Um, so just discuss, uh, your, you know, expand on that, that notion a little bit, if you will, you know, about why it's important to get to know somebody as a person in order to know how to get the best out of them. Yeah, that and, and that's a great question. I remember years ago, someone, you know, how they come up with these jargon stats in rugby and, 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 and sport in general, and someone made a comment um, that's always that stuck with me uh, with something around rugby is 80% above the shoulders. Mm. Um, and twenty percent of what you what you do. So, so that for me, that that translates in. Hold on, if we say that, why are we not coaching above the shoulders? Um, so, for me, it is really coaching what I call coaching from the head down to really. Um, I really want to. I really want to understand um, the people I coach. I think if you really understand um, uh, people, you can get the best out of them. I take a phrase from uh, Nelson Mandela, I take some inspiration from him. One day when he was in this cell uh, in, in that 27 years in prison, uh, the guy that was guarding him, um, uh, he's, he said he was really rude to Nelson Mandela at, at the time. And he said to him, one day it will be me on the other side. Um, and it, it, it was powerful words for that particular person because then that relationship developed completely differently and Nelson Mandela actually became the godfather to 
to his kids, this, the same person guarded him. So we got to really go into the depths of, of understanding people because that's how we can make them better. And another significant moment in my career, I was at, at Harlequins in 2016, and I lost one of my, um, my one of my academy players to suicide. Um, um, and he was going to be a, a superstar. He was he was doing incredibly well at the time. Just broke into the first team and, and England under twenties. Um, and and I had, I had a really good relationship with him as well. And he was also my teammate at Richmond because I made this ridiculous comeback at thirty two to go <laughs> to go and play again. Um, so I had a really good relationship with him. And I remember two and a half, maybe three weeks be, be, before the accident, um, we still had a had a good conversation, but I couldn't see the signs. So it's it's I couldn't see the signs, and and this then that happened, and it really it really hit me hard. It hit me so hard where I nearly sort of wanted to be away from the game, but I knew that. Um, um, this is where I need to be because this is where I can truly help people, um, and and so so that's my view when I when I talk about I always talk about you got to know your coffee. If you're a coffee drinker, next time you drink a coffee, um, just have a think about where that bean come from. How did it get to become this beautiful cappuccino? And that's that's my philosophy. That's how I view things. Now people will say, yeah, they they still got to play rugby. Because um, ultimately, we're a, a results-driven business, aren't we? Um, but imagine if you if you know how to get the best out of that particular individual, what could potentially happen? I don't get it always right, but if you're vulnerable enough and curious enough, um, I'm sure I'm sure um, it will set you on the right path. So yeah, that's what I mean by it. Yeah, I could listen to you talk about this all day, honestly. Um, but we need to move <laughs> move the conversation on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to um, address uh, the, the topic of race and racism with you. Um, now, you are Wales's first black national team head coach. In your in your words, explain to me the significance of that. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh... It's it's been an interesting one because obviously it's 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 since since the since it broke um, um, Wednesday um, it is like I said right in the beginning you you first and foremost it's an it's an incredible privilege for me to be in in, in this position today um, I'm I'm very privileged uh, I've sacrificed and worked incredibly hard for the opportunity. Um, down the same lines, it is. It is. I remember um, in 1995, I had Chester Williams as a role model, um, who is no sadly no longer with us. But I could see it. So because I could see it, I created a dream, and within that dream, um, I know I could be it because it's been done. Um, and that is sort of how I'm, I'm approaching this. This is. Although it's, it's it's incredibly significant, but it's it's like I said earlier, I am I'm representing a lot of people. But the most important thing, yeah, it is people cannot see it. Um, anyone who's in, 
aspirational they can see it and they can create those dreams and um, and that dreams will, will ultimately push you to, to really aspire to go and achieve whatever you want to achieve and whatever that might be uh, within the world um, and with this with this achievement comes a great responsibility because it's now an opportunity um, and it's a, and it's a platform that I can that I can educate and guide and and facilitate this conversation that sort of is now in in 2020 and we're still having this conversation and it's not not it's it's, it's not a great conversation to have because it opens up um, um, some incredible wounds because you remember I, I was saying to to the management team yesterday in in 1990 I think it was 94. 95 me and my brother was the first people of color in our primary school so imagine you are with 1500 other kids and there's only two of you um, that looks the same um, in the year 2000 i was the first person of color to represent my school's school's first first 15 rugby team and now i'm here in 2020 and we, we're still talking about the first although it's first I think it's a it's it, it's a great step, and I and I I don't want to use this step as a first. We gotta use this as a platform that again it it's it's creating opportunity, but um, that opportunity comes with a lot of hard work. So we gotta sacrifice and work and um, push the boundaries to where we can possibly push it. Um, but but ultimately, like I said yesterday, it's. Uh, for me personally and for my family, it is it is it's a quite a significant achievement. But I don't want that to be be overshadowed by being the first. Um, I want to see many many people, uh, all colours. If you deserve an opt, if you deserve it based on your skill set, you should be in there. And and hopefully this will be um, a continual change uh, or the start of a change for me. Um, Hopefully I've articulated that well enough. Absolutely. And it's something I wanted to pick up on in the past. You, you mentioned that, that there was a, you, you've seen an, an institutionalised racism in the sport of rugby. Just explain what sort of what experiences led you to, to make that statement. Yeah, I just, uh, look, you, 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 I was there in, in, I was coaching the American team when, when I was still actively the coach of, of that particular team, when when the situation happened with with George Floyd, and and you start questioning a lot of stuff, um, and I I remember the the significance of my part departure from USA Rugby when it's only when I received a, a, a written letter from from some of the of the the African American players in my team where. That I realized that based on their words, and I don't want to paraphrase it, but their words is I was like a father figure because they've never been coached by a person that that looks like them. So it's only then that I realized, wow, this was this was incredible. I didn't even perhaps I didn't even um, I didn't look at it at that in that moment like that because I was just there purely because. <laughs> I was coaching, but I didn't think about the significance of it. It's only afterwards, and then I sort of reflect on my journey. And you go, "Wow, well, I've spent 
eight years um, at Harlequins and nearly five years at Harlequins and, and you look at the dynamic and things that happen uh, with, within the environment, not in terms of pointing fingers in terms of race, because um, I've never had a racial issue, but you just look at the opportunity and you question, hold on, if, if, um, if I was doing so well, what's the reason I'm, I sort of was kept to where I was kept? Um, and you just ask these questions, and, and um, I suppose then you got to look at the stats. You got to look statistically across the world. And, and again, you just asked me a quick, or you just you just sort of mentioned there that I'm a, the first black Welsh national coach. Um, so take me out of the equation, and then you just got to look around, and then we go, okay, where's the where's the next the next person? Um, whether that is from 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 board to to head coaches to assistant coaches, um, I mean the status the stats is giving us all the information. So I th- and that's truly what I think it's it's. It's just about opportunities, and 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 I do question. I question. Hold on, why didn't I get that same opportunity? Was I not good enough? But did someone say, "Hold on, Warren, you're not good enough. This is how you, we can help and develop you." No, that conversation wasn't happened or didn't happen. So you got to ask all, all these these type of questions for yourself. But ultimately, um, I don't think the stats, as it is and as it been reported, is. Um, um, is or probably the best way to say it, that stats is giving us the the right information so we got to make a change and hopefully again this is a great opportunity and platform um to start that change but it's not about change it's ultimately the change come with education because education is the powerful tool ultimately so people can openly um have those those conversations, and I don't think those conversations are are, are happening enough. Um, I I just not too long ago during lockdown, one of my initiatives was to try and speak to as many people um, just just online. And one of the while I was an academy coach, I probably didn't use that platform well enough to for for the for the players of color and the players um, and the white players for instance to to really share their stories and really understand what each other was thinking and and it's only when we did that sort of exercise now that we were away from it we realized wow we've missed a, we've missed a great opportunity here um, so so yeah it's it's not it's ultimately to answer your question we're not pointing and saying these people are, are racist because I've never experienced something like that indirectly. However, systemically and um, the institution, um, based on the numbers and the stats and, and 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 the conversation we're having right now, we know there's an issue and we need to change it. Yeah, and, and just final point on this, you've touched on it there in terms of moving forward and 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 changing. Uh, and, you know, trying to have a positive impact on this issue. Is it just a case of having this conversation continue, you know, and, and have this brought up, you know, when it, you know, as much as possible? Because we see with issues, you know, a range of other issues in the past, it, things tend to blow hot and cold. They become a, a hot topic for a couple of weeks or a month and suddenly they start slipping out of consciousness. Is it just a case of, you know, making sure that we continue to ask the, the right questions and, continue to have conversations and educate as you touched on? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Is we we gotta be open with 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 these conversations. We gotta um, uh, we gotta understand. I gotta understand how you feel. Why you feeling like uh, like that? Um, you you. Uh, it's just I watched this interesting documentary last last night with uh, saving uh, the British pubs. I think it's called on 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 TV. And there's 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 one particular pub who's who's, who's just based around Jamaica. Now, the, the perception was only Jamaican people go to this pub. Um, but if we just make it about about that, the perception will always look like that from the outside. However, the doors always open. But if we always close and we never discuss it and we never talk openly about um, being perhaps the only person of color with, within a particular room and how that makes you feel or, uh, or the other way around, you might want to um, educate me around why you're behaving in, 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 in that certain way or why you're not perhaps why are we not bonding why are we not bonding as close because you might think hold on he might not like me or she might not like me but actually we're both thinking the same thing but we're not sharing stories we're not mm. sharing journeys we don't educate each other on on, on on our history why do I like rice and chicken because that's my staple meal <laughs> I was brought up on that <laughs> um, uh, do you understand so there's so many stuff we need to learn from each other but we need to consistently talk about it but talk about it in a positive way that we're gonna um, um, I listened to one of the girls uh, the other day. Salimas is a, uh, a rugby player who plays for Barnes, a Muslim rugby player. And she was just telling her story. And for her, for instance, she would never... Um, the perception of rugby was very social. And for a Muslim to go out and be social uh, with the team wasn't seen as the right thing. So she distanced her team, herself from the team, because the team didn't quite understand her story, but as soon as it become integrated and I really understand, and it doesn't mean I have to go there because I just have to drink, I just have to be social and, and enjoy it, but it's a better, you learn more, more lessons from each other. And I think that for me, that is the powerful um, uh, thing around education. But we, the most important thing, we shouldn't be afraid to go question, hold on, we talk about diversity, but why is it not diverse? So, and, and this is why I love the female game because um, they've been fighting and we've been fighting. I would say we, because I've been, I'm part of the, the, the female rugby community for equality, mm. ultimately. So, and it's the same thing, um, but the only way we can change things is if we be have world-class behaviors and we role model these behaviors on a daily basis that's how you create change um, and openly talk about it so so that's for me we just got to continue those those conversations but not go i, I come from a country that had a quota system years ago that put us 10 years back. That's not where we want to go to. I don't want no tokenism because I actually refused to play in a university game because they were they're going to use me as a scapegoat, as a the person of color. Actually, I'm, I'm there as merit. So that's not what I'm I'm going to stand for either. But we, we want to educate and, 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 and help and guide and, and truly be sort of make it an uh, inspirational, special place to be part of. 
Absolutely. Um, the time is, is slightly running away from us, so I want to just bring yeah, it back. No bring it back to the, the the current situation with with the Wales women team at the moment and, and your role. Um, you're going to be responsible for the 15s and the sevens. Just talk to me about how one might influence the other and and how that dynamic is is going to work. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, I'm quite lucky I did it for for nearly five years, going from one to the other. Sevens has definitely made me a better a better coach. Fifteens uh, has definitely shaped the way I think about sevens. So the complement they complement each other beautifully. Uh, you can just look at um, actually sometimes. I think COVID was a blessing, so you can just see how many sevens players are are, are going pretty well um, uh, uh, within the 15s game at the minute. Because uh, I think it removed a little bit of, of the stigma around you have to be a sevens player to to do X, Y, Z. Um, I think it will complement each other beautifully. I think for us as a program, um, if you just look at you look at. Uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, in the in the uh, New Zealand, um, I think ITM they call it nowadays. Seventeen, all seventeen of the All Black Sevens players were playing in that competition. Uh, so they're learning; it's a different experience. And I think for for us as a team and where we are at the minute, uh, the programs can complement each other. Now, of course, not every player can go and play sevens because positionally, um, it just doesn't make sense. But the program has we would need to develop this model that is making each other better. And ultimately, um, from that point of view, we want to develop a world class program um, that that. Um, um, create memorable experience for the people that's involved in that. Uh, so from that point of view, for me, I think it's a, it's a brilliant combination. It's definitely going to make me uh, uh, a better coach. Uh, and obviously the, the World Cup, we've just had the draw. You've been drawn with New Zealand and Australia uh, for the World Cup next year. Um, just talk to me about what you want to achieve in the period between now and then. What, what's the sort of the aims and how are you going to go about it? So ultimately now for us is we got to develop cohesion. That's the most important thing. Um, and with that is stability. The girls, as uh, like I think I alluded to earlier, they've got through so much change over a number of years. So for me, the most important thing is to bring that stability and with that stability, we'll create uh, and develop uh, cohesion with our, with our program ultimately. And uh, long-term vision for us is to be a top four team, whether that means one, two, three and four uh, come next World Cup that's where we want to be but um, I can guarantee you we'll be competitive in this World Cup because uh, we've got some incredible players there um, so we'll we'll get everything um, make sure we use this what I think we've got 36 possibly 38 weeks if we're lucky uh, to prepare for this tournament so we'll make sure that we are uh, um, squeeze every drop out of that 36 weeks and maximise learning and, and to make make sure that we're competitive there. But most importantly, this next block um, is getting us ready to ultimately make sure we, we, we fine-tune everything within this Six Nations block. Um, and it's a great opportunity for the girls to show um, um, uh, what they've got. And if they really want to jump onto that plane to the World Cup, they got to squeeze everything out of it. Uh, so from that point of view, uh, yeah, developing cohesion is going to be the most important thing for the group. But it's my responsibility to bring that that stability for the 
for the team ultimately. Uh, and just just finally, before I before I let you go, um, there's, there's often perceived to be this imbalance in women's rugby because you will play against some teams where the, the women in those teams are on fully professional and fully paid contracts at times. How do you sort of address that issue? Um, and where are we in 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 you you know as far as you know in Wales along? Because I know there were conversations previously about wanting to get to that point in Wales but you know where are we in that and and how do you address that yeah look that's our dream goal that's our dream goal to ultimately ensure that um, we have this world-class program and to truly have a world-class program you want them to 24-7 be involved um, uh, on a daily basis in in that in their craft but most importantly we've been dealt a, a hand of cards at the minute we got to control that to the best of our abilities. Uh, from my side, it's, it's, it's only limitation if we put that limitation on ourselves. Um, so we've got to take responsibility for our behaviors and actions and, uh, and try and do what we can do to ultimately make sure that we all are ready uh, when we turn up to work. That might be an evening window session, uh, but when we're there, we absolutely squeeze everything out of it. Um, but a dream goal ultimately is to, like we say, we want to be a top four team. So um, we got to work to ultimately get there. Dream goal is to get all the girls full-time um, contracts. But we also know where we are in the world at the minute. But if we control the things we do, the results will look after ourselves and it will keep putting that pressure on. Um, and that's how we will make our change. Absolutely. All right, Warren, as, as I've said, I, I feel like I could talk to you at length about all, all the issues we've covered, but time, time is getting away from us. Um, I wish you every success moving forward and, and look forward to, to see what you can do with, with the Wales women's team. And thanks for joining us. No, thank you very much. And yeah, pretty, pretty excited. But thank you very much for the opportunity. Very privileged.